The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low, net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Back with Vershawn Jackson on 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com. <laughs> Okay, Nick, cut, cut. We can't bring Tommy into that. No, you cannot. I, I, I thought I sent you the Alan Parsons project serious with the no, eye, dude. You did Eye in the Sky. What? What happened? That's all right. We'll get it. We'll get it later. Can we? Let's see. Let's go. Uh, let's just go Phil Collins then. All right. Go Phil Collins. Yeah. Yeah, that's better. Welcome back. It's the ticket 93.7. I'm the captain. Get ready to talk to a living legend. My big brother, all American. All types of award winner should have won the Heisman Trophy. Tommy Frazier. Tommy, what's up, brother? I'm good. How you doing, VJ? How you oh, doing? Man, I you know, I'm doing hundred, man. I, I I bloomed up to about 255, man, and, and, and a little birdie put in my ear, like, uh, are you getting old gracefully? And I'm like, uh, I think so. And I got on the scale and it said 255, and I was like, uh, I need to, I'm in trouble. Yeah, it's nothing not wrong getting old gracefully. You I know, know you, you, you live to get old, right? Yes, sir. You're supposed it's, to. It's the alternative. I mean, you, you're supposed to. If you, hopefully, you can, you know, get old gracefully, right? Well, I know I, I know I am. I am enjoying life right now. Touchdown, Tommy Fraser, man. I don't. I, I always say I don't know where to start, but I do. There's so many places that we mean you can start from. So I just let's just touch base on this. How did you get recruited? Who was the head recruiter? How did you make it to Nebraska? Well, the the guy that recruited me here was Kevin Steele. And it was one of those deals where I didn't know anything about Nebraska growing up, just knowing that they played on the day of Thanksgiving versus Oklahoma. But, you know, growing up in the South, all you hear about is Florida, Alabama, Florida State, Miami, Georgia, schools like that. And Kevin still came to the high school my sophomore year and bumped into him in the bathroom. And next thing you know, I get a phone call at night saying they're interested in recruiting me. And, you know, one thing led to another. Nice. So you, so, so true freshman, you get here, you at Nebraska, you got Mike Grant still here, a couple other guys. I think Haas was still here, right? Um, or was he Haas gone? Was, it was, it was um, Joe Cornwell and that Brooke was here. Brooke Tony was, was there. Okay. Tony Veland was still. Did Cluster come in and play running back? Yeah, Cluster was a year before me, so they, when I got there, he, they moved him over to wing back. Okay, I meant play quarterback. Okay, so Cluster, Tony Veland was there still. He was still that quarterback. So, 
So, so, so, okay, we get into 1992. It's about four or five games in, and and then you become the starter. What was that like? It was, it was scary. It was nerve wracking, but also exciting. You know, being a competitor, the, the one thing when I came here, I wanted to compete, be the starter, and and, and help lead the basket to win a bunch of football games. And you know, found out that I was starting the night of the, the night before the Missouri game. And of course, we not. When you're not preparing to start, and also you get the get the the working and not that you are starting, it changes your whole mindset. Where so it's more nerve wracking, and now it's more attention to detail, and it's in this business like now. What was the toughest part of that season in 1992 for you? Well, I, I think the first couple of weeks, you know, being here at Nebraska, leaving Florida, coming to Nebraska with no family here. And then not really playing much. I think, and I think that was probably the toughest part because you know I've always played a lot, started a lot, probably everywhere I went, from every team that I played on. But then coming here and knowing that I wasn't the top dog in the on the team anymore, and I had to earn everything. I think that was the toughest part. But I remember, but it also humbled me and also made me become the player, become the player that became. So you you touched on you had to earn it. You had to go through the fire, trial by fire. And earning it after you earn the starting spot, what? Why were you able to come in as a true freshman? Because I don't know if that's happened. Uh, McCaffrey maybe, but but he didn't start for the season. But to come in for from for a true freshman's perspective, and not only play at Nebraska, start at Nebraska, but excel at a high level. How did you kind of put it together to do that, or is that something that you mom and dad put in you? You came equipped with that, or what? Well, I think I think people people always say when you when you come out of high school playing against the top talent, you you know, when you come to college and you playing against the top talent, it's something that that you learn, something that you earn, something that's, that's, that's built inside you. You know, you can't just turn it on when you get to get to the next level. You have to work. You have to work at it, and you have to you have to give you all, and you have to become a student of the game. You have to do the things that. That's gonna make you successful, and I think the one thing that I had was I had Turner Gill here as, as my quarterback coach, who who went through this, went through the system year before I got here, who was able to help me navigate and teach me the right way to do it in college. Best running back you you played with or against? Lawrence Phillips, hands down. <laughs> You know, and I played with a lot of guys. I played against a lot of guys. I saw a lot of guys in the state. And you talking about running backs in the state of Florida that I grew up watching, and then just playing with and against Lawrence, playing with Lawrence Phillips. He's by far the best football player I've ever been with, played played with or against. What made him the best football player? His work ethic. You know, Lawrence was one of those guys where it didn't matter whether it was in practice or walkthrough or in the weight room. He gave it one hundred percent, and he 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 left everything on the field in the weight room, even on the basketball court, you know. So, I mean, and then when you, when you watch him play, you saw how nothing was going to stop him from being successful. Tommy, you know, I talk, you talked about the basketball court. A lot of people don't know how much we play basketball in the offseason. I mean, it was some guys that was trying to sneak in basketball during the season. But how much we play basketball, it seems like that was a trend that Coach Osborne recruited athletes. Yeah, he, he did. You know, we joked about it, but there was a, and we always said that with the, that if all the football players who played basketball in high school was to go out for the Nebraska football team, the Nebraska football team would have been better basketball players. But we, but we were so used to the physical contact, we wouldn't want to do that. 
but but there's a lot of guys who are better than the guys that we had at Nebraska on the basketball team. And for you guys that don't know, my memory is still vivid. Is I we had a lot of ballers. We had guys that could jump out of the gym. You know, uh, Lawrence was more of a guy. He was kind of a dunker type and and just explosive, but could shoot. But Tommy had the complete package. If it was somebody that had the Jordan isk on the basketball play, I, and I couldn't believe it, me personally, that you was that good in <laughs> basketball, Tommy. I couldn't because you could do you could you had handles, you could shoot the jumper, and then you could get up and dunk. Why did I surprise you? you know, I, I'm an athlete, I, man. I know you're an athlete, Tommy, but I'm just saying, <laughs> you know, when you see it live action, when you see the type of explosiveness and, and going, you you just I marvel at it because, you know, I mean, I'm older now, but I think about all that stuff back then and, and how uh, coach recruited athlete type bodies that could play multiple positions, but also that play multiple sports. Well, I think that's the key. I think that when you when you look at all the, the great players that went through Nebraska and all the great players that play in the NFL, the one thing they always say is that, hey, these guys are great athletes. You don't, you don't hear them. You don't hear them saying like, you know, like, like for instance, Michael Vick. What do you hear about Michael Vick? Oh, Michael Vick was a great athlete. What do you hear? What do you hear about Tom or Tom Brady? Oh, Tom Brady is a smart, a, a smart football player. What do you hear about Peyton Manning? He's a smart football player. But then when you go to well, then talk about Lamar Jackson. What do you hear about him? Oh, he's a he's a great athlete. You know, so there's a stigma and a label to that, but it also it's, it's it's a positive because as you see in the game of football today, you you don't see too, the traditional athletes that just play one sport and be successful at you need guys that, that can do it all because they do, do multiple sports so what people don't realize and and i realized at a young age one sport helps the other sport and and, and the more you can do the more sports you can do it's going to help you be successful in the other sports it's 1993 uh you had an excellent season young lawrence phillips we went to ucla beat ucla think we played well the kickoff class was in 94 but just talk about that 93 season and coming up short what was that like coming up short and then how did that prepare you us for 1994 well 93 people really didn't give us a chance because you know we can't we came off i think it was a 383 loss season my freshman year and then coming to that season no one really gave us a chance and we had a lot of close games that year and but we were we were able to go through the season undefeated and give ourselves a chance in, in the Orange Bowl. And, you know, we we believed in ourselves and we, we did everything we could to win that game. And, of course, it came a kick short to a win that game. But that showed us, put belief in us that, hey, you know, we compete with the best teams if we do our job. And I'll be the first one to say that I wasn't perfect perfect in that game. And and quite, quite a few other guys say that. But if we do everything in our powers, make sure that we're perfect and probably give ourselves a chance and we felt that there was, there was no one that could beat us in the next couple of years. Corey Dixon, Dixon had a, a punt return, I think they called back, didn't they? Yeah, he had a punt return called back. They had a phantom touchdown where it clearly shows the guy filming the ball. We had mm-hmm. instant replay back then, and then then they exactly called the punt. My favorite, you know. So just one of those deals where even with the even with the, the punt return call back and the phantom call, phantom touchdown, we still gave ourselves a chance to win the game, and we just didn't execute. Okay, so so then, okay, so 93, everybody, that was a big-time letdown. I was a true freshman. Tommy, at that point, was going into a second year, true sophomore. So you get we, – we, we, we get back home, and they put 18 to 16 up on that scoreboard. 
Talk a little bit about that, what that meant to you, and 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 how did we use that as motivation for 94? Well, if, if, if people understand that what, what happened that that year, we took the lead in the Orange Bowl, a minute 16-7 left in the game. And we were saying that's we, we kind of celebrated as the game was over with. Well, but, you know, there's a whole – everyone says that the game got over to the clock at zero. Well, guess what? We we celebrated, and Florida State goes down and kick a field goal and, and left with a few seconds on the clock, and we eventually lost that game. And But if we would have played with the same intensity and mentality, we played the whole game, you know, we, we should, probably should have won that game. And so at, at, at next year – we ended every practice with with an additional minute and sixteen seconds on the clock, which was to was kept in our mind that we need to finish every game. And so and so that's that was our model that a minute sixteen seconds, we're gonna end up every practice this way, whether it's sprints, whether it's running stairs, or doing something for a minute and sixteen seconds so we can finish. Mike Minner talked about that class of ninety two um class and uh being one of the great ones that came through the door i mean he started naming off names i'm like dang y'all have some studs but when we get when we get we gotta take a short break tommy when we get back we just gonna skip up to 95 and then just kind of talk about a little bit of everything 93.7 would you say tom you know i'm willing to talk about anything so i already know we gonna get into it 93.7 the ticket Back with Vershawn Jackson on 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com. Hey, we are back with the ticket, 93.7. I'm talking to the legend, Tommy Frazier. Tommy, I'm going to go through a couple things real quick. I didn't know this. I did not know this, that you were the bowl MVP in three consecutive bowl games. I did not know that, 94, 95, 96. Yeah, one of the games we lost. Gotcha. Well, how did that happen? Um, I, I don't know. You got to ask people who voted on the, on the, the MVP for those game for that game. Well, you so you uh, saying the ninety four the ninety four bowl MVP would have been Florida State, right? Yes. Okay. Okay. So you won the MVP even though we lost. Kind of like us winning the championship and you not winning the Heisman. Right. Well, I don't go that far, but it's just, it's just one of those deals to where it, it was a battle between myself and Charlie Ward and. And I guess people said I outplayed in that game and, and thought I was more deserving of the MVP award than, than he was. Mm. 3,521 yards pa- passing yards and 43 touchdowns versus 11 interceptions. Let me just say that again. 3,521 yards of passing yards, 43 touchdowns, and only 11 interceptions. 1,955 yards rushing, 36 touchdowns. 
33 and three as a re record as a starter, two national championships, four Big Eight conference championships, All American, Giant United's Golden Arm Award winner, Player of the Year, All Century Team, 556 yards of total offense. Like I did some of this stuff, I did not know that we averaged 556 yards of total offense. Now, Tommy, I'm I know I'm skipping all over the place, but when you talk about being a quarterback for Nebraska, I tell people all the time, you were like having a coach on the field. How many plays do you feel like you audible? Um, freshman year, it was probably 20% of the time. Sophomore year is probably 40% of the time. Junior year is probably 70% of the time. And then senior year is probably 75% of the time. You know, there's a lot of times where – all our plays always came with a check with me type deal. And it was more than I had to go out there and read the defense. It's not like it is today to where all the all audibles and checks are coming from the sideline. I used it was things that I, me being the quarterback had to do on the field. And so, and so it, it was always check with me and, and usually I try to get us in the right play. Was, was I wrong sometimes? Yes, but that's part of, that's part of, that's part of the game, you know, and that's the part of the game that I don't like today to where, it's taking the quarterback from being the field general to putting everything on the coach's hand. Yeah, and I, you know, I they're starting to do that on defense now, where they'll look to the sideline to get the play, and I'm like, that I can I can almost understand on offense, but I cannot understand on defense why you would ever have to look at the and like you said, it is making the players a little bit slower. They can't react as well. Because they're 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 caught up in looking at the sideline, and I just never understood why we just what are we doing in this day and age of football where players can't get the call, look at what's going on defensively, and then execute. What do you think the problem is there? Developing developing the player. For one for one thing, developing the quarterback to be that field general, and two, the coach is trying to have total control of everything that happens during the game. And when you do that, the one the players aren't give our plan at full speed all the time, and two, they're not being developed. And and then you see it across you see it across the country to where you see a lot of guys that they have the potential but never really reached their peak because they 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 truly hadn't become a student of the game. And that's the one thing that Coach Osborne and Coach Gill always taught me was that we want you to be a student of the game. We because once the play leaves the sideline, then it's in your hands, and we don't have confidence that you're gonna call the game the way we see it and check the autos that, that, that we think you should check to. And and that was spend a lot of time watching tape at home and not just in football practice or meetings at home too. You know, so I think I don't think that's happening a lot anymore these days. The spread offense, is that a run first offense? Is that a predominantly run? I don't say it's a run first offense. I think it's more of a numbers game to where they're counting people in the box to where if, if you have six guys in the box, of course you're running because you have five offensive linemen, two guys in the backfield. If you have seven guys in the box, then you, then you can run it up through it. If you have eight guys in the box, you throw the ball. So I think it's more of a numbers game to try to get the best play to run. I don't think it's a, 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 a spread offense to run the ball or spread off the pass the ball. I think it's just an easier way to to want to help offenses dictate what they're going to do. Right, but 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 when you run a spread offense versus running a pro style offense. The pro-style offense seems like it's more conducive to I got a power run game versus having a spread. Now, I'm not saying, you know, we had multiple sets, but when it was time to run the ball, we're going to be in two tight ends, two backs, 
and a quarterback and maybe one receiver, and we were going we were going to drive it right down your throat, whether you knew it was coming or not. Is the is the game changing so much? Well, we see it's not changing because look at Georgia, look at Alabama. Do you have to get back to a run first, pass second mentality in order to win in college football? No, I think you have to be. I think you have to be more balanced today than you did in the past. I, I, I truly believe that. But I, I don't think that you need to be the Georgias or the Alabama. Because even look at Alabama when they had Tua. You know, they they went to a spread more spread shotgun style offense. I think you just have to adapt your system to the players you have. But I I, I truly believe that you just can't be one dimensional anymore. You you gonna have to balance it out. Because even Georgia in the, in the championship game, you know, they, they they threw the ball more than we thought they would throw it. How important? How 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 important is having a, a a game breaker running back in the backfield? It's very important because, as you know, there you, you can't block everybody, and, that, and that's what people feel to realize. The word, you know, Coach Solis is always always telling running backs, "You got to make one guy miss. We'll block these guys, but you got to make one guy miss on your own. And if you do that, then a big play is going to happen." And you saw it happen quite a few times to where. Lawrence or Damon or or Clinton or Amon made one guy miss and turn it will turn a, a two yard game to a twenty five or fifty yard game. And I think I think if you look at the successful teams now, they have those running backs. Absolutely. And and in, in, in order and what are you more of a are you more of a wee backs guy? Or and, and, and you can answer this right. We gotta take a break, but I want you to answer this, but after we come back from the break, are you more of a Weebex or would you rather have that one guy who could do everything? Be right back at you. It's the ticket 93.7. <laughs> this is 937 the ticket. Look at me short. Look at me short. I'm the captain now. Three-time national champion, Vershawn Jackson. Oh, got a bunch all alone is Vershawn Jackson. And Vershawn, he'll get it to the 24-yard line. Coming at you live from the Copple Chevrolet GMC Studios in the heart of Lincoln, America. On air and online at theticketfm.com. Here he is, Vershawn Jackson. Ah, yeah. Yeah, it's me. I'm Pat. I'm with the greatest quarterback to put the pads on in Nebraska history, Tommy Frazier. Tommy, what do you think? You a, you a one da, one back guy or, or are you a wee backs? Well, that's tough for me because I, my freshman my freshman sophomore year I had two great running backs that actually helped me be successful those first two years with Derrick Brown and Calvin Jones, and they, they were two totally different running backs, but they both was capable of playing. Then, then you bring in Lawrence, and then you have Lawrence coming in. Then you have Amon and David and Clinton, you know. So, but of course, you want one guy that can do it all. But if you have two or three quality backs that that there's really not a drop, then then that's just as good as well. So it, that's hard for me to say what I want one back guy who can do it all, or, or two guys that that can do it all. All right, I'm not gonna put no pressure on you, Tommy. I, I mean, there is no pressure. I mean, I, I ain't gonna put no pressure on you. I mean, you gotta have one. If you if you had to go with one of the other, if, 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 if
if you didn't have Amon Green, if you, you didn't have Damon and Clinton, you know, Lawrence was the perfect guy that, that could do it all. But he didn't need to do it all, all the time. So when you got a guy like that and you got other guys with the same quality that can do it, then then you don't want to wear your workhorse down because, you you know, running backs take a pound, man, as the season goes along, then, you know, the, the productivity slow down. Right. Talk about that 94 season. I think you got hurt that season, right? That was the season. I didn't get hurt. I had blood clots. There's a difference. Oh, yeah. Okay. You got, well, what would you, you can't even call that an injury, though. I mean, it, was, it was a medical injury to yeah. where the, something that happened with my leg to where you know, my I had some type of issue that was forming blood clots in my leg, and, and it helped me out quite a few, quite, quite, quite a bit of the season. So, in, in that, where it kept you out, how did you still kind of help the team? Because you were still always there. You was always at practice. How did you still help the team? Yeah, you know, you remember at first I wasn't around the team because it was just one of those deals where it was tough for me going from playing all the time to not not even being able to practice. And then one day, one day, Coach Osborne called me and Coach Gill said, "Hey, you know, I think it'd be beneficial the team sees me around and and me being part of about there helping the guys learn and and you know just trying to stay in the best shape you can because because there's no, there, there was there was a possibility that I could play again that year. And so the more I started coming around, you know, I was trying to be someone that can just help everyone. And, and, and see things from a different perspective that they weren't seeing it. So, so get back, you come back, you get healthy. What game did you come back? The Orange Bowl. Okay, so that was the first well, game. Well, 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 let me rephrase that. I was I was clear for emergency purposes, the Oklahoma game. Okay, okay. But I didn't play. But I was, if it would need to be, I was probably like third or third or fourth guy down down the chart. But and so, and there was a couple of times that game, Coach Osborne looked at me and Dr. Gingerhart said, you, do you really need him? And you're like, no, I think defense played a great great game that year because I think it was a low-scoring game that year. So how important was that having 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 a backup like Brooke, who it wasn't a big-time drop-off when he, you know, when he came into the game? So how was that for him? How much did you have to help him just be confident in what he was doing as well in 94? Well, it, it, it's one of those deals where – as you say, you see things from a different perspective, and, and him not being, not him not playing those pressure packed games as much as I have, you know, it gets to a quarterback. That's why you see a lot of teams don't have quality backups because they can't handle the pressure. Well, one thing that Coach Osborne did and Coach Gill did was that the backups had took just as many reps in practice with the starters than anyone else than, than most teams do. You know, so it wasn't like. I took 70, 70, 80% of the snaps with the ones and Brooke took 20%. And was, we took the same amount of snaps with each with the ones and, and, and we, we prepared the same way. But when, when, you're not, when you're not out there playing a full game and sending game action, it's a total difference. You know, you can do everything in practice, right? But once the, once, once the guys on the opposite team start running 100 miles per hour at you and moving a lot faster than the scout team shows you, then things change. So I was like, I think – my ability with Brooke and Matt was just to, to, to teach them and help them see things a little bit faster and quicker because it's going to happen faster and quicker. So how many how many snaps you say you took during practice a day? Oh, well, we probably took probably anywhere from 70 to 100 snaps of practice, each quarterback. Wow. See, and I think that's a lot. That has a lot to do with why, you know, we, we prepared that way. You had a lot of different looks. 70 to 100 snaps in one practice. I mean, how, normally in a game, though, you're talking, what, 60, 65? Yeah, we, I think we averaged anywhere from 80 to 90 snaps a game okay. my, my senior year. 
But we, but you also have to look at we also have a, a, enough players to where we can break it down into two groups. So four groups where the ones and the ones had to had a, a station and the, and the twos had a station and then, and the one defense and two defense had their own station to where you you can take more snaps and you get a lot of snaps from that way. How important was that depth that you're talking about? Depth is everything. Look at the teams that are, look at the teams that are winning on a, on a consistent basis. The one thing they do have is depth. And when you have depth, you don't have to worry about people it, it, it dropping off or the level of play dropping off. Because I, I, one thing I do know that at Nebraska, when, when Coach Tenable was there and Coach Dan Young was there, the offensive line, there wasn't a huge drop from the ones to the twos. Right. I, I would agree with you 150%. So, 1994, we're going to – we're getting ready to play Miami. We're in Florida, back in your home state. Uh, what's going through your mind? I know you and Brooke played that game, but what's going through your mind at the time coming back after being out with the blood clots? You know, I had a lot of doubt in my mind. Was it, was, was it the right thing to do? Was I ready? You know, mentally, I thought mentally, I thought was well, physically. I didn't think I, you know, I had some some doubts. You know, because you hadn't played, you didn't know if the leg was gonna hold up, if if the doctor was telling you the right thing. So. You know, so mentally I was fine, but it was more I was questioning mentally, physically, if I was physically ready. Tommy, I, I want to backtrack real quick and ask you, because you came in 92. What, Correct. What was the difference, if there was a difference in practice? What what happened to where in 92 we was – you were winning, losing three games to 94 we're winning all the games? What was the switch? I think, um, well, yeah, if you don't if you remember, I think it was more so that the defense switched more than anything. Mm. You know, they went they went from that five two defense to more the four three. You got we got more speed on the field. So if you remember, that's when they moved Ed Stewart and Troy Dumas down from safety to Sam and Will Backer, mm-hmm. and they got and they moved a couple guys. I think it was Dante Jones and Dwayne Harris and Will back to defense end. So they got they got they got more speed and talent on the field. And I think that was I think that was the biggest change there that, that really helped us help us grow offensively. You know, I just think that we, we have better players. You know, Zach and Zach and those guys are older, you know, Calvin and, and Calvin was older, Derek Brown was older, you know, I was older, a year older. So I think I think the the, the biggest thing for us was getting more speed on the defense on the field and, and, and show. Okay, so so I and I I don't remember. Forgive me, but I don't remember. I don't know who who did you start the game or Brooke start? I started the game. Okay, so you started the game. And I think Brooke came in what second quarter? Yeah, Brooke, Brooke came in the second quarter, and and people and people thought that that Coach Osborne pulled me right. from the game, you know, because I, I did throw an interception in the first quarter. But the whole plan going to that game was whoever was able to start was going to play the first quarter. And the, the guy was the next guy was gonna play the second quarter, and whoever was leading the team the best was gonna finish the game off. You know, so just unfortunately, I threw an interception at the end of the first quarter, and then Brooke came in the second quarter, so it made it seem like oh, I was pulled from the game to where we could have went down and scored a touchdown. Brooke was gonna go in the second quarter because you know Coach Osborne when he says this is his plan, he's gonna stick to it. That's the one thing I, I love about Coach when he, if he got a plan, a game plan, he's gonna stick to the plan no matter what's going on, and and, right. and then. If the plan don't work, now he's going to open up the playbook a little bit more or do something different. But execute the plan first. So then you, right. get, you get to the second half of that game because both you guys played in the second half as well, right? 
Yeah, Brooke, Brooke started the second half, and I came in the fourth quarter. And and then and then the rest is kind of history. After that, what was the what was the click for you where you said, okay, this is my position to lose. I'm I'm not I'm not coming back out this game. Well, it's, just, it's more than when the coach Osborne and coach when coach Gil Walter to me asked me was if I was ready to go back. I told him I was, I was never I wasn't ready to come out, but I understood why. He said, "This now I think it's time. I think it's perfect time for us to put you back in the game." And when he did when he did that, it just showed me the confidence that they had in me, and. I was I was gonna go out there and do everything I can to make sure that I I didn't disappoint them from making that decision because you know there's it was a tough decision for them to make knowing that Brooke had played well the whole season and was playing well that game and a couple a couple mistakes by his part led them to make that decision and so it was one of those deals where I just went out there and and tried to do whatever I could to make make sure that we were successful. It's funny that you should say that. So basically, there's nothing wrong if a player. Not even if he's not if, if he's struggling, that ain't even the word. But there's nothing wrong with a little in game. That was the championship game, right? And 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 we juggled two quarterbacks and still won the game. Sometimes I think we get so caught up in, oh, he's the starter that if he's not necessarily playing well, or sometimes you might have to sit down. I would imagine when you were sitting down over there all of the third quarter and half of the fourth quarter, you was just thinking to yourself. What am I gonna do when I get back in this game? And if they let me back into this game, I'm not gonna let it go. Of course, that's what you're thinking. You want to go out there and, and, and figure out a way you can help your team win a football game, especially a championship. And, and that's the only thing that I was thinking on the sideline. That if I get another opportunity, I'm gonna make sure that we win this football game. What's What's some of your favorite Coach Osborne quotes? Oh, Dad Gummit, Judas Priest, run it again. <laughs> You just can't do that. Stop being a banny rooster. <laughs> a ban, a banny, a banner. A, wait, I gotta say this. A, a what? A banny rooster. A banny rooster. Yeah, so it's a fighting. It's a fighting chicken. Why do he say that? You know, because it was one of those deals who it, it, it actually brought up in the Miami game, to where you know you had Christian Peters, all those guys they used to love to fight and all that stuff. And they used to always like retaliate, and he's like, "Don't go out being banner roosters and retaliating. They're gonna do something on the other side that's gonna cost them big." And you know, if you notice in that game, what cost them big was when the mind off his line and pushed Christian down and pushed him in the face. And you know, Christian, he liked to fight, get up and fight, but he just kept his hands down. And then next play, Dwayne Sayers got the safety, which was basically turned the whole moment of the game around. Absolutely did. So don't be a banner rooster anymore. Well, those, those are the main ones that I heard. Now, you know, I think Charlie McBride, I understood, had a lot more quotable scenes than Coach Osborne did. So, you know, when you talk about Coach McBride, talk about some of them battles. Because people think that, you know, in this day and age where they don't go one against one a lot or two against twos, it seemed to me that we were going one against one, I know for a fact, on either Tuesday or Wednesday for a whole station and goal line. Speak to how those practices was going one against one. So they they were, they were fifth battles. I mean, they, they, I mean, it was basically all out brawls, to where it's best against the best. And, and I still remember one year. I think it was a uh, junior year to went one on one, and Ed Stewart and, and Clint Childs hit head on head at the goal line, and it it towards bicep on that play and kept putting out of out of out of the end zone. And so it, it was it was more of a competition. 
for us because, you know, not many people really gave our defense any praise. They do them as a black shirt, but it was always the offense that most of the praise. And now the defense was kind of like, wait a minute, you know, we're the reason that we were winning a lot of these games. So we're from we to show it to you that you guys might be the best offense in the country, but you can't do anything against us. And, and so we loved it because we felt that if we moved the ball against our defense, no one else could stop us. And vice versa, they felt that we could stop us, no other offense is going to move the ball against them. Let me paint the picture for you guys and take a country. Okay, so the practice is over. We've banged. We win 100-and-something-odd plays. It's the end of practice. And then Coach says we're going to go goal line. Now, when we when Coach says we're going goal line, that's the one time where I feel like there was a, a, a split in the team. It was offense. It was offense versus defense. Right. Every single time and everything, all bets were off, right? You was live, everybody live. Or no? Everybody was live. Okay, that's what I thought. You know, I and, and so I just look at I look at those situations and how tough we competed. And that's what made us love each other more because we competed against each other at the highest level and you earn the opponent's respect, which happened to be your teammate. Right. And that's the thing, and that's the key there to where you, you earn you earn your book, your teammates respect by how you do things in practice. Not what you do in game, but how you do things in practice. Because there's a lot of guys out there who play well in games but were horrible practice players. There are a lot of guys who practice well with horrible game players. You know, but but most of the time, nine percent of the time, you're gonna earn respect from your teammates by the what you do in practice. Do you sell out? Are you going the extra mile? Are you doing the extra weightlifting? Not well, not necessarily what you do in a game. Who do you think was the best offensive scout team player? Ooh, best offensive scout team player. Wow. Now, I know you weren't paying attention because you was over there doing number one things, but sometimes practice has stopped down there because it was a couple guys clowning around now. When I mean clowning, I mean clowning the defense, the black shirt. So who you who right. would you say would be that's, the guy? That's hard for me to say because there was – there, you know, I, I think about Biff Roberts was was a, a defensive back who was a good scout team player. I look at um, you know, the Smatticky brothers were good, were good scout team players for a couple of years. I mean, I mean, you can give you the list goes on and on and on. You know, but I, I think the one thing that we had was that we'd had a a good, a good group of scout team defensive players who gave it their all. You know, if they if they say run this defense right here, it wasn't going half as. I mean, they really came ran the defense, and there are times where it frustrated us because they actually sometimes ran better than the other team. They was on the, on the, on 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 take from other team. What? So we we we're back ninety four. What do you remember about like Warren Sapp, the stuff that they was talking before the game? Because there was, we went to a, a, some type of banquet or some type of function with them. And all I can remember is them just talking, 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 talking. No, talking. That, that, that's just them, though. See, but see, here's what, here's what I, grew, I grew up playing against Warren, and Warren Sapp, and Ray Lewis, all those guys from Florida. So that, that's just part of their moniker. It's part of their demeanor to where they, you know, as you know, Florida guys love to talk in, in competition. You know, you, you can even go back and look at myself, look at Tyron Williams. We're going to go out there and talk. We're going to talk again. We're going to go out there and play. So that, that was just their way of trying to intimidate people. But so for me, it didn't bother me. Because I knew what was going on. Now, for maybe like for Zach Wiegert or, or Brendan Styles, some of the other guys are bothering because they weren't used to it. And you got these guys talking a bunch of crap. But for me, that's just part of who they are. And, and, and if you look at Ray Lewis when he got to the NFL, he was doing the exact same thing. Look at Warren Sapp, he was doing the exact same thing. 
That's just part of who they are. Yeah. So it really didn't bother me. So you, I mean, you was used to you was used to that type of running and flapping off at the mouth, but and and, and but but to prove them absolutely positively wrong to see Warren Sapp on his knee, how you know we when we talk about dominating people, right? How did we dominate people like the Warren Saps of the world, the Florida states of the world? How did that come about? Well, I'm gonna say this right here: I don't think we dominated Warren Sapp. Well, I think if you go back and look at that game, I think Warren Sapp was the one who, when Warren Sapp was making a huge difference, I think the one thing that we did was we, we made him tired. And so, you know, when you got a guy with a high motor like that and he plays fast, so you, you, no one can deny that Warren Sapp plays the game fast or every play, all, every play he's out there, he's going to play full speed. But when, you, but when you keep pounding the guy, eventually you hit a guy enough, it's going to tire him down. But he was still making plays late in the game. We just, we just ran some plays that, that affected him, took took advantage of his aggressiveness, and and when we scored, of course, I scored score twice. But I, I don't want people to think that Nebraska dominated Warren Sapp. If you look at that game, I don't think that's I don't think that's the case. Well, did you tell Warren Sapp it's not where I've been, Fat Boy? It's where I'm going. And I, I I didn't use that that type of tone, but yes. <laughs> what type? Of, <laughs> oh, you used the good guy tone. What what you I, use? <laughs> I can't say it on the radio. Oh, it was <laughs> oh, it, was, it went the other way. <laughs> it went the other way. I can't say what I said on the radio. Okay, so so here we are. We playing Warren Sapp, and then we 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 just won the championship. Um, how excited were you were was you for the championship? But then, what was your thought process after that championship, knowing you had another year? You know, I was more excited that that I was able, and and and, uh, and we have more selfish than anything because it's like finally everything that I went through this year I, I have a championship now you know that's where my mind went to to and then it was like yeah but I was also able to help this team win a championship come back in the fourth quarter help our team win a championship you know that, that's special there you know because every quarterback dream is to come in a football game and the team is down and, and be that 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 Rudy or that that person who say hey I came back and I and I had my team win, win the football game. That's every man, that's every football player or every sports person dream to say, hey, you're part of the reason we won the championship. But when that championship would then then it was exciting, it was it was happy, but we had work we had another year to get something done. And we knew that the next year we was gonna be even more it'd be even better from what we had coming back. How how important is because you talked about we scored two touchdowns on the ground against them, and I think two in the air, but or one in the air. But anyway, how important is a fullback to any offense? It's very important. It's very important because they're, they're you know you can do so much with them. I mean, you know, you know, people understand. I had I had some of the, some of the three of the best fullbacks that you can ever have, and Lance Lewis, and Lance Lewis probably one of the fastest guys on the team. And then, and then you move from Lance Lewis to to Corey Schlesinger. Then you got Corey Schlesinger to the, the McAvick brothers. And so, but then keep in mind there are also other good backup fullbacks that we had that just didn't play as much. So the fullback for what we're doing was vital important because sometimes those guys are they have two, three, or four carries for 125 yards, or or they might have 12 carries for 20 yards, but use those 20 yards for first downs. So, so it's very important. Now I remember. Now I might be wrong, but I it was uh, 
when we got back, I think the the our little monarchy or or, or what we our deal was was unfinished business, right? That was nine, that was ninety four. Ninety four was so so ninety five was we, what? I don't remember. When we lost when we lost the championship in ninety ninety three ninety three ninety four season, it was unfinished business. Right. And then, and if I'm not mistaken, in ninety five, Monaco, we refused to lose. We, that's what it was. Oh, I got goosebumps. Okay, so we went from unfinished business, like everybody was on the same page, that we all had unfinished business from losing in 1993, from the scout team players all the way up to the best players. But then it was we refused to lose. Right. Talk about that mentality. Yeah, that we weren't going to lose a football game. We knew that we were the best team. We had everything in place that that the only team that was going to beat us was to beat ourselves. And so – so we practice everything that hey, we're not gonna lose. No matter who we play with, we refuse to lose because we're gonna we're gonna practice, we're gonna work out, we're gonna compete in a, in a fashion to where no matter what the other team brings, they're not gonna beat us. Okay, so it's '95. We're in the '95 season. First two games, straight blowouts. Blew out Michigan State. Uh, was it Oklahoma State? Oklahoma State was the first one. Oklahoma State. We beat. We we blew both teams out. That was the first game I actually traveled. And, uh, you know, I was always scared to get on a plane. But And when we came back from that, that game, it was a storm. And, boy, I tell you, I was <laughs> – you remember that? I was ready to – I remember that game. I think that was the game where we ran out there. I ran out the runaway, too. Yeah, and, that, and that was that game. Yes, that was that game. That was that game. Now, t- we talked a little bit about Lawrence Phillips, but having LP those first two games, right, and mm-hmm. then to not having – how much was it a drop off? People don't understand the, the how big the gap was between Lawrence and everyone else. You know, so if you if you say Lawrence was an A, a double A, then everybody else is probably a B. That's how much the drop off was. Mm-hmm. Not A's, but B's. And losing him, it was it, it became and, and losing Lawrence, then you saw it became next man up. You can't get it done. The next man up, you can't get it done. Next man up, you can't get it done. So until they found, and then eventually Amon came in and took over as a true freshman after that. But if, if Lawrence would have been there the whole year, it would have. I don't think you would have saw Amon have the, the year that he had. I don't think you would have known about Amon, quite frankly. Well, I tell you what, man, we with the ticket. I got to go to a short break. It's the captain. I'm with the other captain of the entire team. Tommy, we're going to get into a couple things when Tommy had to go off on me on the football field when we'll be right back. Back with Vershawn Jackson on 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com. It is me. It is I. It's the captain. I'm with Tommy. Nick is in the building. The ticket, 93.7. We are having a great conversation with Tommy Fraser. I am not done yet. There's so many more questions for the great Tommy. Tommy. Yes, sir. What was your greatest moment as a Husker? Graduating from college. You know, I was a, and I say that people are like, but people say, really? Yeah, because I was the first one out of, my, out of six kids to graduate from college. My family, my parents didn't go to college, and my older brothers didn't go to college. My sister didn't go to college. So me being the first to graduate 
was something special. Then my younger brother followed me. So the, so that 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 led him to want to go get his degree. So that was that was my greatest moment. Now when we talk about football, you know, I think they're just winning the championship my senior year with 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 with, with, with you guys. You know, so that was a that team there was more unified than any other team that I played on at the University of Nebraska. From top to bottom, what about what, let's talk about the run? Did did did, did you close your eyes in that pile or was your eyes yeah, open the whole time? You got to see everything that happened. You, you're the only one that closed your eyes when the ball comes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. You're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. I just want so, I mean, what was you thinking, though? I mean, you had 10 guys on you. I know Clinton yeah, helped, but. It, it, it goes back to the old additive, additive to, uh, when, you, when, you, when you have a football in your hand, you, you run until you hit a whistle, hit, hit a whistle blow. And, and that's basically what I was doing. You know, just trying to run and just keep going until I heard a whistle. And maybe hit a whistle. And they say, you know, I'm running down the sideline. So, okay, so here we are. It was, it's 95, right? And LP's gone. Um, we got, we're searching for a, all every down running back. Um, we're having some tough games in there. And when I say tough, I mean tough as far as they were supposed to be tough. I don't I don't what was the closest game that year? Washington State. And that what what and, we, and, and, and it wasn't even close. We uh, we got out of twenty seven just start on them, jump on them and Coach Oswald took the starters out, I think like mid third quarter. And they say no to the score is twenty eight twenty one. And so you put the start back in there, and we scored the last touchdown. So yeah, it was a fourteen-point game versus Washington State. I remember the Kansas game was tough in the first half. Yeah, Kansas. They came to play Kansas game real tough, but you know, defense made a couple of plays, special teams made a couple of plays, and then offense finally got rolling. Yeah, I remember that game. That was a game that, if you go back and watch the TV copy, I finally started playing. I think uh, uh, Gilman got hurt in that game, right? And. Uh, I finally the, the the young captain got in the game, and I remember you had a couple of nice blocks. You had a couple of nice blocks, and you also caught your first touchdown pass. Again. Yeah, well, I was gonna tell you, man. I, I, I'm gonna tell you again. Thank you, because because you had to, well, you at that point you just said you was audible in eighty percent of the time, whether that's two opposite or a different play altogether. And I remember it was like a forty three dive. LP is the doggone running back. Makovica is the fullback. Everybody, I mean, and listen, you could have just ran, you could have ran the play. What? Yeah, you know, it's one of those deals. I think that was the first, first long time I forgot who my personnel was, was on the field. <laughs> Wait, <laughs> I was going to ask you, what made you say, did you know I was over there, but you just answered that? You had no clue. <laughs> I you... knew that we were that two tight end set, but I forgot who. I forgot who was the two tight ends were in the game. <laughs> so, okay, you forgot. You, it's 43, 43 dive was the play call. Why go 52? Why go 52? Well, because that, that was a side to where they had – they were basically showing an all-out blitz to where everybody had their hand down. And that and that was one of the plays to where no matter what they had run plays going on now, who no one could really be responsible to tight end and take a, take a little pitch and, and get him out in the flat quickly. And, and that was what happened. Um, and as I throw the ball, I saw the wall, and I was like, oh, my Lord. <laughs> <laughs> one, one play, one catch, one touchdown, all I could think about when you said 43-52. I was like, <laughs> I looked up like, Tommy, what are you doing? 
And he was like, 43-52. Then I looked down, both guys' hands on the ground. I'm thinking, just get out, VJ. Just get out. Get open. It, it should be easy. And you threw it, and it was a soft ball. And it seemed like the ball took forever to get I to know. Me. I feel like it took forever. For Well, when you see it was me, it probably did take forever. Like, is he going to catch it? <laughs> you know, you got you were the best catcher early on in your career. No, listen, I I didn't I I wasn't the best catcher late in my career as well because I you know you, I didn't start catching the ball really well until I went to the NFL. Uh huh. Well, well, now you got money in the line. Well, you know how that was. It was it seemed like you know at Nebraska we was more glorified as that you know we was about there blocking man. We I call myself the seventh offensive lineman. Right. I mean we was <laughs> out there doing business and getting putting in work. And then they want you to come and have some soft hands and block. And then, you know, I couldn't see that good either. Yeah, that is true. You were kind of blind. You had those big old sports goggles on. Man, I had the goggles on. And I'm out there with two left, two left, two left arms. And my eyes are crossed and everything, boy. So I remember, though, in that game, uh, I think I brought the play in. And I think I brought the play in wrong. And you had to call a timeout. And on the TV copy, you can hear you. You can hear you say, "Rashawn, come on, man," or something, something to that nature, right? <laughs> Talk about how important was it when your senior year came around? How much a leader you were to the younger guys? Well, I just think that that you know, I wasn't the most liked, but one thing, one thing you could say about me to where I was going to do whatever I can to, to help this team win, and, and I took and I took criticism and blame and fault for a lot of stuff. That a lot of people didn't know I did, you know. So and so it goes back to us, us being perfect, and one of the things of us being perfect, even just called bringing the right play, you know, because 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 it, you know, that time I could have cost us something, because cost the game we needed late in the game, you know. So it was just for me, it's just more about hey, we're trying to be perfect in everything we're doing, and, and a simple thing is bringing the right play. If that's going to cost us not being perfect or not getting running the right play, then then I'm, I'm gonna have an issue with that, and, and and I guarantee you didn't bring the play wrong again, did you? No, 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 never ever again did I bring in the wrong play after that, and it just goes to show you that it didn't matter what my positioning was because I think I was about fourth on the depth chart at that point. It didn't matter what my positioning was if I was in the game and I messed up. You as a player was going to make sure I knew I messed up and don't let it happen again. Right, because it was, and and. and, and and, and I'll be the first one to say, when I messed up, you know, hey, get out, that was my bad. You know, so, hey, it won't happen again. So, it, it, it's, it's about, for me, it's about holding everybody accountable to do their job correctly because Coach Oswald was doing the same thing with us that we had to hold our, do our job the right way. What? So, we're 95. Uh, we're in the championship game. We're playing against Florida. Of course, here we go again. It must be a Florida thing. And Florida boys is always popping off, talking stuff, doing the alligator, doing the choo-choo train. They was just doing it. They was doing the most. And, you know, we kind of came in fighting. So some of us really wanted to get into the mix a little bit. Coach Osborne did a great job of telling us exactly what you said earlier. Don't do anything that will cost your team. How important right. was that? Well, it's very important. Because you know some teams have the, the mindset that they're going they're going they're going to try to win the game before even playing the game, 
And, and yes, they were the flashy team because they had the flashier coach. They had the flashier player. They, they hoot and holler. They had the, the little fancy dance they did for their special team. You know, so they thought they, they thought just by showing up, they were win the game. But and when we took a more, hey, this is our business. This is our job here. We're not here to have fun. We're here to play a football game, and then we'll have fun after the football game. And and, and, you, and you saw the difference in the play. Once the, once the, once the, the, the ball was kicked, and the final second was on the on the, on the, on the clock, and you saw what the final results were. I'm going to be facetious right now, and I'm going to ask you a, a, a facetious question. Would you – would you rather have the championship or the Heisman? Championship. And here's the reason why. Because, uh, you know, to win the Heisman, basically, you win the Heisman because of your team played well. And, and man, I mean, there's a lot of guys. And I can guarantee you right now, if you were to ask Bryce, ask Bryce Young right now, would he rather have a Heisman or a national championship this year? I guarantee you're going to say national championship. Because this. You know, that's an individual award, but football is a team game. And the only way you can win individual awards is based on where your teams are performing. So so we, we end up winning the championship. When we get back, Tommy, I'm going to ask you so you can be thinking about it over the break. In this day and age of the NIL, how much money would they have had to pay you to come to Nebraska? When we get back, it's the captain, it's the ticket. I'm with T Phrase 93.7. Back with Vershawn Jackson on 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com. Tell me the truth. Mama just hung her head and said, son. Papa was a rolling stone. Wherever he laid his hat was his home. Hit the hit the note, Nick. When he died. All right, Tommy, I better stop all that singing for you. Be like, what is this dude talking about? We're talking. Yeah, you sound horrible. I, you listen, sound horrible. That's okay. You miss 100% of the shots that you don't take. Sometimes you gotta try, Tommy. Well, you shouldn't. You should know not to try. Though. That's the problem. Oh well. I mean, whenever I ever not try, when I know not to try. Yeah, that is true. <laughs> Did you think about that question, man? Because I'm, I'm, I'm curious. What do you? I mean, I want to know what you think you would got paid, but ultimately, well, I, I didn't come to Nebraska for the money. I came to Nebraska for the tradition, the history, and the people. Now you ask that question. Who who knows? You know, because the the price of the, the the price of the dollar has has, has in value has gone up since over twenty five years ago, thirty years ago. You know, so who who knows what that could have been? It could have been twenty thousand dollars. I don't know. You know, because you got guys now signing million dollars nil deals, getting driving around in Porsches from Porsche dealerships. Who knows what it would have been back back then? Because you, you know, because back then. Five thousand dollars was a lot of money to us. Absolutely, professional college football is what we got going on right now. Yeah, and I don't, I don't care for it. I think it's ruining. I think it's ruining the game. 
Well, yes, yeah, what you said, you 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 came for the tradition. You came, and I think Nebraska, uh, unlike other places, people will still come here because of the mystique of Nebraska football. Once it's built back over again, once they build the program back, it it can we build the program back, Tommy? Yeah, I think you can. It's, it's like any other program. Every every major program has gone through their downfalls. My only problem with the, what's left in Nebraska right now, the downfalls it has happened for too long. And, and so and so now you've got to figure out what's the what's the right equation, what's the right recipe, what's the what's the right people. Maybe you have them there now, maybe you don't. Who knows? But you got to figure out that recipe. You got to figure out the people who are in charge. Get them all on the same page and 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 truly do what's best for Nebraska, not individuals. What was the beginning of the downfall? You think like what year? Who's the coach at the beginning of the downfall? I think the beginning of the downfall when he got rid of Frank Solich. Mm. You know, even though he, even though he, you know he, he fired a coach that went nine and three, uh, even though he did have a bad season the year before, but he revamped the staff and you got rid of him. And and since then. You've had how many ADs? You had what four ADs, and you had what five head coaches. Nebraska was went through went, what forty some years on two coaches and then two ADs, or and, and it just shows that the stability at, at the university hadn't been there, and that's from top down. It's, and so even if you look at from the from the board of regents to the to the, the chancellors to the president, there's been different faces in there every so many years. What's the what's been the if you if you look at let's talk offense and defense offensively what has to change in order to turn this thing around? Well, from what I from what I was just in the last couple of years, I, I don't know necessarily know if there was a true identity of what they were what they were trying to get done. You know, so I think that hopefully that the new guy that they brought in there has an identity, knows exactly what he wants to get done, and 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 and, and, and get it implemented. I think have bringing Mickey on it was a good thing. I think, I think um, bringing a running back coach on they just hired. I mean, I, I've known him for for several years. I think that's a good addition, you know. But I just think more more so, just what is your identity, and you got to stick to your identity and stop trying to do a hodgepodge of stuff. What what identity do you feel like would work here? I think any identity can work if you believe in it, and but you also got to have the players to run that system. And and from what I'm seeing right now, you know, Nebraska lost quite a few of the top players over the last couple of years. And, you know, and so going to the transfer portal to to replace a lot of those guys. And I, and I caution people on that because there's a reason why people are transferring to Nebraska. Different perspective, Tommy. Let's talk about that. Because people think that the transfer portal is gold. Like, all of the guys we're getting out of the transfer portal, they're going to be fired. They're going to come in and start. Why do you say that? Well, because you know, because here, here's why I say that. You know, it's no different than recruiting a high school player versus a junior college player, right? You know, high school players, you, you know what you get in junior college players. You saw what they can do versus college talent, and now you bring them into a system to where I hope they can adapt to you knowing that they already have their bad habits already built into them. Well, at least high school players, you can you can kind of mold into the player you want or, or, or build it or help them become the player they want because they're still young and they're the more willing and ready to play and, and learn. 
who are transfer portal kids, they've already been at one university, it didn't work, been at another university, it didn't work. Or why are you leaving a university when you when you, you started the year before? You know, so so there, to me right there, there's a bunch of red flags when you, when you talk about the transfer portal. The only thing I like about the transfer portal, you are getting guys who've already, who probably played a lot of college football games, so it won't be something new to them. But when guys guys leaving the way they are right now, there's, there's a reason why people leave schools. And usually, they're not always for a good reason. You're the quarterback, and I'm I'm not talking Tommy Frazier, the, the Tommy Frazier that we all know and love. I'm talking you just Tommy Frazier, the freshman, right? You you uh-huh. you come in and you you have an opportunity to 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 kind of touch the field the last game, and then not even a month later, a quarterback is brought in from the transfer portal. How does that make you feel? What do you what do you think about? I mean, what does that look like for you, the quarterback? You, you know where I'm going with that, but what does that look like for you? What does that say to you? They went and recruited you, but you might not necessarily be good enough, or does that say, hey, we bringing in people to compete. We want to compete at the high level. I look at, I look at anyone who's afraid of competition should be playing sports, period. You know, it's no different than it's no different than why do you see schools sign a five-star quarterback this year and then go on and sign up for the next year five-star quarterback? Because so it's about competition. Your competition makes 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 you makes you better. And if you're afraid of competition, then why play sports? If you want to, if you don't want to go out and compete against the best and be out to be out some of the best, then why buy why play the game? So I never I never want shy from competition. I never will shy from competition. To me, a person who can stick it out and say, hey, bring in the best people. I'm, this is my job. There's no different the mindset I had. I didn't care who Nebraska brought in here. They won't beat me out. Did, didn't matter at all. Listen, I've got about I got about 45 minutes left, Tommy. We got to take a quick break. But when we come back, I'm not even going to tell you what I'm going to ask you because I want it to be organic. So I'm Vershawn Jackson. Talking with Tommy Fraser, it's the ticket. We'll be right back. This is 937 a ticket. Look at me, sure. Look at me, sure. I'm the captain now. Three-time national champion Vershawn Jackson. Oh, got a bunch all alone is Vershawn Jackson. And Vershawn, he'll get it to the 24-yard line. Coming at you live from the Copple Chevrolet GMC Studios in the heart of Lincoln, America. On air and online at theticketfm.com. Here he is, Vershawn Jackson. Ah, yeah! Hey, hey, hey! It's fun, Albert! And I'm gonna sing a song for you! We're going to have a good time. We're having a good time on the captain. It's Rashawn Jackson. I'm on the ticket, 93.7, talking to the great Tommy Frazier. Tommy. Your third. Bruh. So we're we're we are transfer portal. 
do you believe you, know, you already answered the question, but is the transfer portal good or bad? I think it's bad. I think it's bad for the game. And and, and just because it's giving kids a reason, a way to, to basically not hold up to a commitment that they signed up for. And I know people say, well, coaches don't hold to a commitment. That's a different deal because they're either coaches, coaches lose a job because players don't play well, but usually athletes don't lose their scholarships. You know, so I just think that when you rely on transfers, you, you're getting someone else's product that probably didn't work out at, at the place where they're leaving from. Uh, me, I, I'm a firm believer to sustain a football program. You got to do it with high school kids, get them in your program, build them up, train them, develop them, and, and go from there. You know, the one, one, one team I look at the most is Alabama. You know, they they don't get very many transfer guys in there. They, they go out and sign guys, and they develop them. And a lot of guys will stay at Alabama because they know that if they start at Alabama in a couple of years, they're going to make a lot of money on Sundays. And Nick Saban has proven that. You know, Dabo Sweeney has proven that. that he don't They don't lose when the guys to transfer board. And a lot of guys don't transfer into their school because of it. You know, so I just think that we're giving players an easier way to, one, quit on their teams because – Maybe a coach said somebody didn't like me leave. So uh, I just don't like what's going on with college football right now. How do you combat that though? Do you do you do you say when you walk in on the recruiting trail, hey, this is the way it is. We know what the portal is, but we're not recruiting you to be a portal guy. We're recruiting you because we want you here. It might not happen year one. It might not happen year two, but three, four, and five, in order to build championship quality qual uh, caliber team. You, it has to be deep at every position. If you want to get in on this, on the Sider Hammond text line, hit us up, 464-5685. But, Tommy, it's got to be stacked at every position for the most part in order to be good, and you cannot be afraid of the competition you talked about. Well, I think one thing is that you can't go into a kid's house these days and watch them. Okay, if you tell a kid this is, this is what's going to happen, they come to university, it doesn't happen, then you lie to them. You know, so you got to be up front that you don't tell a kid you're going to come in here and play right away. You're going to start. You know, when I, when I when Kevin Steele never told me that I was going to come to Nebraska, I was going to start as a true freshman. But what he did tell me, and Coach Osborne everyone, and all other coaches said, hey, if you come in here and you learn and, and, and you prove to us that you can play, there, there, you, there's a possibility you could be you could play a lot as a freshman. But you don't have to earn it. And I think that's all any player wants to hear, that they go out there and they earn it, then they won't leave. But when you – when you got guys out there who are doing the who whose game hasn't improved, and you see that as a as a as a backup or as a, as a young guy, then they're not giving you a chance to go out there and show your talent. Then I get why the kids are leaving because they've been lied to. So I think if, if if you don't lie to a player, they're more willing to to, to stick around and 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 let them, let the process play play out. Then if you tell them one thing, recruiting, and they get here and it doesn't happen the way they said you, you said it's gonna happen. Mm. Aaron Davis, Aaron Davis says, "Yo, VJ, tell T. Frey he was supposed to do the touchdown dance." <laughs> <laughs> you know, I had to hold myself back from that. You know, I didn't, I didn't want to embarrass my family. You know, you know, first and foremost, I played a game to to make my family proud. If I had done that dance, they'd have been hyper. They'd have been really embarrassed by it. Well, what was the dance? What I can't. 
can't tell you. It's, it's, you got to see it. AD, now see, AD, when you come on your show, you're going to have to demonstrate the dance that Tommy <laughs> was supposed to be doing. <laughs> now, as far as, do you feel like we are physical enough to play in the Big Ten at this point? Because Trev said something about he wanted the team to be the most physical team in the Midwest. Well, okay, okay. With that being said, doesn't mean that we're not physical enough to play in the Big Ten. They're just saying they he wants to be the most physical team in the Midwest. There's a lot of teams in the Midwest, you know. So I think I think from what Trev's point of view is that he wants he wants whatever style system that they decide to run to be like Coach Osborne, the way we trained at Nebraska under Coach Osborne. To where no matter what we're in shotgun formation or we're in ace formation, we're gonna we, everything we did we're gonna we're gonna be physical and doing it. So I, I think that's what he means. I, I don't necessarily think that he's saying that we need to go back to two back or the or the I or three whatever. I just think think he's saying that hey, no matter what we do, we're gonna be the most physical team out there, and that's what he wants to be. Why? I know a lot of people. I know a lot of people looked into that and said, well, he wants Nebraska to be Tom Osborne offense again or Frank Soldier offense again. I don't necessarily think that's what he means. I think because you can be physical playing in a spread offense. You can be physical playing playing a five two defense. You can be physical playing a three three defense. I mean, it's it's to me, it's how you practice and how you prepare is what makes you physical. Which program twenty years from now you think will be going through the same thing we're going through now? Twenty years from now, I think Clemson will be going through that. Uh, as you see, Clemson's already start starting that that path. Mm-hmm. Oh, I think Notre Dame might be another school who might be going down that path twenty years from now. You know, so I mean, everything Ohio State could be. You know, Ohio State wasn't too far along ago. They were they fired their head coach and brought in Urban Meyer. Mm-hmm. Think about that. And the guy that they fired, Luke Fickle, was in the playoffs. The CFP playoff championship game with Cincinnati this year. Wow. Wow. I didn't think forget. about that. Yeah. They fired Luke Fickle at Ohio State for going 6-6. Six six. Urban Meyer come in, I think, next year or two years later, win a championship. And then and Luke Fickle's been at Cincinnati, and now he's one of the, one of the most solid coaches to go after right now. Does he leave Cincinnati? No, no, he stayed. He stayed at Cincinnati. No, no, no. I'm saying, if, if for the right money, does he leave Cincinnati? Oh, I think anybody leaves for the right money. When the money they throw out right now, I'll leave my job for the right for that money. <laughs> so, as far as and, and I'm just gonna skip back to this. Do you think that the fullback position seems to be lost in our offense altogether, or you ever think we'll get back to having a fullback? I think. I think. I think it's from from. Previous offenses, and, and, and I say previous. I'm talking about the the previous staff, whatever Scott, Mike, Bill, whoever you want to call. It, they they didn't have very many fullback sets, which I think is vital important, especially when you, when you need one yard, two yards, so you can give it to a fullback. Yeah, but but everyone has their own philosophy. Everyone has their own way of doing things. Everyone has their own reason why they. Try to throw a touchdown when it's first and goal on a two yard line instead of trying to run it in. I, hey, that's their philosophy. But if it's not working, then you got to figure something out. What's been the most frustrating game of this past season for you? What's been the most frustrating game? Yeah, just total game. Like for me, it was Ohio State because I was at the game um, and I thought we were in a great position to win that game. And then some things happened that totally. Well, for, well, for me, it was Minnesota. Hmm. 
Why? Well, look at look at that game. Minnesota was coming off with a two-game losing streak. Um, they had a couple guys out. Nebraska was coming off with a tough was a tough loss or something. I can't remember what they won the game before. They had they had some momentum, and they go in there and they play down to a lesser team. I believe they didn't they, they didn't they didn't come with the same mentality that they came with the week before. And and you in the game of football, you can't. Take a week off when it comes to your your energy level, your your aggressiveness, the way you prepare. And I just felt watching that game, they won. They didn't prepare well, and it showed. Who controls that? Well, it's control. Uh, all parties control it. You know, you know. I go back to 1992 when we lost to Iowa State, and the way we practiced that week. You know, Coach Osborne said, "Hey, the way we practice, we practice what we're gonna get beat on Saturday." And guess what? We 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 practiced that bad that week, and we lost that game. So I think the coaches are going to do so much to get you ready for a football game. As a player, you gotta have the you gotta have the, the will and the fight to go out there and and bring your own energy. Be prepare yourself to be ready for a game because the coach can only take you so far. They can't play the game for you. What's probably the biggest hire that we've the biggest person, when I say biggest hire, I mean, for Nebraska football, what's been the best hire as far as the coaches that we hired? I don't say Mickey. Why is and that? The reason why, the reason why I say Mickey, because Mickey loves you. Mickey's a Nebraska guy. He can't play here. Mickey loves the university. Mickey's one of the top recruiters in the country, and Mickey knows what it takes to win a national championship, come up with a national championship two, what, two, three years ago at LSU. So, uh, so I think he's the most important hire because he can, I think, more so than any other coach, I think he relates to the type of talent that we need here more yeah. so than others. And he can recruit. He's a heck of a recruiter. Recruit. Yeah. I, I had him on yesterday, Tommy, and, and let me just tell you, I, I, I haven't had a chance to go back and listen to the entire interview, but I'm going to only because of some of the stuff that he says, you know, the fact that, uh, they want to put a fence around Omaha excites me. And you have to. You, and, and we've said that for years, and I've said that for years. If you can't keep the top talent in your state home, then you don't have a chance. Go back and look, go back and look, at, go back and look at the years when Nebraska won championships or competed for championships. Mm-hmm. On those teams with the top talent in the state of Nebraska and including mainly Omaha, were they on the football team in Lincoln? Everybody. I, I, AD said something on his show like, you know, you had three or four or five. He was keeping up with guys that, that – that in track he was keeping up with guys. I mean, so the – we have to be able to get every sing- – to me, I thought we got every single good player out of the state. It seemed like it anyway. Now where are they going now? The island. Yeah, going Minnesota. Iowa. And, and who's been who's been Nebraska the last five years or the five years in a row? Iowa. Iowa. So yeah. you gotta lock down so Mickey's right one hundred percent. You gotta lock down your border. And especially if Omaha is your major city where most of and there's not saying anything about Lincoln or, or Grand Island or West Nebraska, but quite frankly, most of most of the talent when it comes to that comes out of Omaha. Why? Because there's more to draw from. When you talk about the, when you talk about the Omaha metropolitan area with Bellevue and 
Papillion and Gretna and Elkhorn, you know, those schools right there, those school districts right there, all the Omaha area is probably the, the hotbed. Soderheim and text line, 464-5685, Honda of Lincoln Hotline, 464-5685. If you want to get in on this discussion with me and Tommy Fraser, Tommy, the state of Nebraska football as we know it right now, how far do we have to climb in order to turn the corner? Not win championships, but turn the corner where we're not a three and nine team, four and eight team. We're going to a bowl game, even six and six, you go to a bowl game. What do we need to do to turn the corner? I think all parties need to be on the same page from administration to coaches to players. I think that, and this is my personal opinion, I don't have any connection inside. I don't go around, but just looking from outside in and watching games, I think there's a disconnect. I think the culture is not there. You know, they can say it's there, but if the coaches are there, you see guys competing more. You know, you know, you lose in the football game, you got guys dancing and laughing on the sideline. Mm. Come on. That that never happened with us. Well, first of all, somebody would have came and clotheslined you up from the sideline. Yeah, you know, so right there to me, it's like it's just a different type of culture. When you're losing, why are you laughing? Mm. You know, so I, so so there's a disconnect there, and I I, I just just don't know what it's going to take right now. Hopefully, a new staff, you know, hopefully the new office staff they brought in can can build a build a culture, but just. From top down, and hopefully Trev can build a better culture there. Just from top down, though, the culture hasn't been there. Well, Coach Osborne used to tell us all the time, you make sure you treat the janitor the same way you treat the athletic director. You make sure you treat the guy that's sweeping the stadium after the game the same way you would treat a guy who was a you know a, a higher up. And I think when – when he gave me that, I use that in all aspects because I try to get around and know everybody that I'm dealing with in whatever occasion I'm dealing with them in. Do you think that's hap- Do you think that's kind of fell off? And then, how important is the former players to the success of the program? Well, yes, I think it fell off, and and, and you you can tell it's falling off because there's there's no loyalty within within the program, you know. So. You know, how much can former players help? You know, former players, the only way I think former players can help is by being around and showing them, hey, this tradition. But but if they're not taught the tradition from day one when they get on campus, with, then with, with things reminded. So that's the when we when I got there, um, when we were the first segment of freshman orientation. They, they, they showed us a video about Nebraska and the history and tradition of Well, guess what? They're not doing it anymore. You know, there, there are a lot of stuff around the stadium that reminds you of tradition. I don't know if that stuff is still up. I know those one lady took a lot of that stuff down. And so so you, you got to know the reason why you're here, who built it, so you understand the importance of it. Wow. And just telling the kid, and just telling the kid that, oh, this is Nebraska history, won five-time national championship. Well, a lot of these guys, a lot of these kids are coming here now weren't even born when Nebraska won their last championship. Yeah. But if you see history, you see that lineage, you see people, you know, you know how, how, how much do you have Johnny Rogers around there, around the players? How much do you have a Richard Glover? How much do you have a, 
or Dean Fine Cool or guys like that. How much do you have? I mean, old. I'm talking about the older guys, not the, the young. I'm talking about the older guys who built it before I was there around showing. Then I think you'd make a bigger, bigger impact with former players by doing that way. Let those guys be the history tellers. Let those guys be around the practice. Not have you guys sign up, and when you get to the price, you got to stay in a certain area. Come on, that's to me. That's why I don't go down there. Hmm. Or Coach the- Osborne, was, Coach Osborne, former players didn't have to go sign it. They, they had a free reign because they're former players. Now you got to go through Fort Knox just to get there. there I, no. So opening it back up to the former players a little bit more, which I think Trev is trying to do, but. Um, you know, I, and and of course, when you change something, people get a little irritated from change. But I think change is always good. There's nothing wrong with change. Well, are you changing things for the right reason? You just can't be changing things just to change it. What's your rhyme and reason for changing something? Let's talk defensively because I think, you know, I think sometimes because we, we haven't – I don't think we put a big enough emphasis on the defense. I don't think we put a big enough – I mean, we have as far as the defensive backs go, but I haven't heard them bringing in any defensive tackles, defensive ends, um, big-time linebackers. Is that going to be a problem move going into this year, or do you think we are reloaded and ready to go defensively? Oh, that's a that's a good question, Sean. I, 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 like I say, I don't know a lot of the young guys that are down there. You know, maybe they maybe they feel that what the 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 nucleus that they have on defense coming back and some of the young guys they have in the, in the system that they're that they're in good shape. And quite frankly, defense played well enough last year to where the Browns should have won seven or eight games. I give them nine. Well, I'm just I'm, I'm just saying they seven or eight games. You can't blame a lot of that stuff on defense. A lot of problems on the offensive side of the ball. So I see why they, I see why things will change offensively. But eventually, you still got to keep the pipeline coming in on defense so they continue getting better. Bill and Bush, I think, losing, I think losing your defensive line coach, I think that's going to hurt you big time. Yeah, who do we bring in? Your guess is just as good as mine. Do you bring a Perella back? No. You got you, you go out and bring someone who 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 can develop players who can relate with players is what I'm getting at. So, so you know, defensive line is one defensive line is one of those positions to where you gotta have someone who gotta be just as nasty as they are. I have some uh, I have some information for you guys. So Mike Dawson is going to double as outside linebackers and D line. Oh, I forgot about that. There you go, Tommy. Mike Dawson. Really? How hard is that going to be? Really? That's going to be tough, huh? To go from to go be a, a defensive uh, tackle. Well, yeah, maybe 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 that's the new thing now. I don't know. You, 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 that, that's shocking to me. That's that's new information. That's shocking to me. Uh, I, you, you, they, personally, mm-hmm. I don't think I don't think Nick Saban will, will have one guy doubling up on D line coach, linebacker, outside linebacker coach. I don't think he would do that. So why are we? Why the hey, your questions, your calls. We'll be back. It's the captain with Tommy Frazier.
Tommy, you know about that? You know who that is singing that song? I don't know who it is, but I know that song. You know the song, Hall and Oates. Oh, that's what it is. Yeah, yeah. John Hall and Oates. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. I'm trying to get my music game up. Yeah, you need to. That's stuff you used to listen to. Who are you talking about? Who you listen to now? Who you listen to? Me? Yeah. Man, I'm more, I'm more, I'm more contemporary jazz and blues now, man. You know, the old I get, I'm going back to my my my, my grandparents' day. Well, that's all you listen to with jazz and blues. Getting old, hey, hey, that's I'd rather be getting old than not. Yeah, well, if you're getting old, you're still here. That's right. So, uh, who you who you down. like with who? Yeah, who's your guy with the blues? Rap stuff in my in my car. Yeah, I don't. I can't deal. I can't. I can't handle the rap anymore, man. It's all the same. I can't handle the rap. That that was well, what. I noticed that because you haven't played any rap songs on, on this show today. I got it's all been all this crazy stuff from the sixties and seventies. <laughs> I got some. I got some. I got some good instrumentals though that we're gonna put on that I that I like. But yeah, when you right. when you listen to the words, sometimes the words throw me completely off. Yeah, they don't have any meaning to what the song is all about. No, and I'm too old of a cat to get scratched by a kitten. So you know. Forget that. We yeah, don't... That, what does that mean? Well, you know, when you you know, some of these <laughs> old guys still think they're young and they think they can they they they're trying to play in that that new age uh yeah. situation. I stay, I, I stay in my lane. I'm staying in my lane. Yeah, that's what I mean. You that's that's the smartest thing to do is to stay in the lane that you know you were in. So uh Tommy, we was just talking a little bit about just the state of Nebraska, state of Nebraska affairs. Um, on a positive note, I think, and then, and then, uh, of course, the ticket gallery. That's what I'm gonna start calling my guys that that hit me with the text message because they know all the the ticket gallery, the ticket gallery with all the bad dudes Tommy played with. This is coming from the ticket ticket, ticket gallery three one three eight. He was still thought of as the toughest. How did he captain those guys, and how can we get it back? Ooh, well, it's, 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 it's all about a want. You got to be want to be tough. If that makes sense. Yeah. I think, you know, because just think about it. Do you, do you think Grant wished him and, and, and Jerry and uh, Grant Russell was tough until he, until he got around to Christian Peters and, and that group there? You know, so I think, I think it's a learned thing. I think you got to lead by example. And I think my toughness came from to where I wanted to show my team. So I'm willing to go out there and lay it on line just like everybody else. So I'm not going to ride a bounce. That's to me. You get hurt running out of bounds. I'm going to try to deliver a blow. I'm going to take a hit. I'm going to give a block. I'll do what I need to do to, to, to prove to them that I'm here just like them. Call them a quarterback. Don't mean I'm anybody different. I'm still a football player. It's funny that you should say that you get hurt when you. Why do you say that you get hurt when you go out of bounds? Because you pull up. Mm. How many guys? How many guys get to the sideline and they start pulling up and, and then the guy can get popped? To where, to where we, if you if you 
if you run into the blood, you run into contact, you, you, you have a better chance of not getting injured because you, because you used to being hit. But as soon as you start pulling up on the sideline, someone hits you. Mm. You know, so let's, we're going to go, Sauter Heyman text line, 464-5685, Honda of Lincoln Hotline. We're going to go to them. Uh, Hizzlebear says, uh, doesn't your son rap, VJ? That don't mean I got to like it. Period. I don't care who it is. That don't mean I gotta like it. Exactly. You let your kids have their own path. Yeah, I mean, he's he grown. That Joker is twenty four years old, so he's got to blaze his own trail now. Dad did what he could. Exactly. But I, you ain't listening to no rap music in my truck. Forget it. Okay. Listen to some doggone blues. We're gonna listen to some instrumentals. We're going to listen to some jazz, and we're going to listen to some talk radio. That is a sign of we get old when we start listening to talk radio. <laughs> well, hey, man, again, if we ain't getting old, we ain't here. So it's a good thing for getting old, and hopefully we can do it gracefully. That's right. Um, when you talked, you talked a little bit about contact. 7482 says, talk about how to absorb contact as a running quarterback. It's hard to talk about it until you, and you just have to learn how to get hit. You know, that's 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 the one thing I always try to tell these young guys. They say, well, you never seem like you ever took a, took a hit because you learn how to adjust your body. And, and that's the best way I can explain it to you. The more you get hit, the less you, you learn how to adjust your body, you learn how to take a hit. Are, if you don't take a hit, when you get hit, then you don't know how to adjust your body. Are the players or coaches – as fundamentally sound – now, I'm talking across the board. Now, I'm not just talking Nebraska football, but if you want to keep it specific to Nebraska football, I can ask the still question anyway. Are they fundamentally sound? Here's what I'm saying. We were taught – I didn't care who you were. You could be a running back. You could be a receiver. You could be a, a quarterback. But when you're running to the right, put the ball in the right hand. Is that a lost cause? No, I don't think it's a lost cause. I think, and I think I was guilty of it sometimes, where you most people like to carry the ball in the arm they feel the most comfortable with. Now, now in the old days, growing up little league, yes, when you go to the right, carry the ball in the right, go to the left, carry the ball in the left. But I think you you see a lot more guys are like okay, like even Derek Henry, he don't necessarily always put the ball in the right arm, but he, he always carries the ball in the most in the arm he feels comfortable with. Nikhil Ellis, I think he's always carrying the ball in his left arm. I think I think it's got to the point now to where a lot of people just don't care about the arm they, they're comfortable with. Now, the reason why those rules were set in place because you can protect yourself and you, you put the, you put the ball between you and the sideline, so you was get hit. The one place the ball goes out of bounds. Not to you mention know, that you could you could still stiff arm. You could you, you could, could yeah. And you still protect yourself with that with that, that, that inside arm. Mm -hmm. So if the ball is in, you really can't protect yourself. You know, I you know I was thinking about I was just thinking about this today. I was thinking about the offensive line. I was thinking about uh, Coach Rayola. How much work does he have ahead of him to get that line where it's dominating people again? Once again, it depends on the system, right? It, it truly depends on what the, on what they do, how they how they do things, like what they run, and how they're gonna run it. You know, because just bringing in a new offensive line coach, if you don't know, if you don't have that, if you don't have that system. To force them to play that way, then you're gonna get what you get. Do you so for me, it's all about 
system. Yeah. Is this system going to be a physical type system? Are they going to practice to be physical? And then in games, continue being, then doing the things in the games to show that we're going to be physical, whether it's working or not? Or they're going to, we're going to start physical, then start getting fancy. Who knows? Text line 2672 says, Tommy, why do you think the quarterbacks have struggled so much to make the short screen passes? I don't think it's – I just think it's just one of those deals where it's – are they talking about the bubble screens? I I, I would imagine uh, 26872 text back in and, and kind of get a little bit more specific on your questioning. But, I mean, I think we don't see a lot of screens. So maybe well, – well, well, once again, do you practice it? How many screens do we practice, practice a day oh, in practice? Oh, my God. I don't know, 20, 30? You can't be a screen team if you don't if you don't practice it. If it's not part of your if it's not part of your game plan, you you, you can't you you can't be an option team if you don't practice it. You can't be you can't be a throwing team if you don't practice. You got the stuff that you want to do in the games. You got to practice it. You got to rep it. So it's engraved in people here. We ran the option so much to win the game time. It didn't matter which what, what option we ran because we ran so much. Where I knew where guys gonna be. I would like so to see. Gotta, I would like to see us run a draw. Two. Yeah, I mean, run you to be a good draw team. You gotta do what? You gotta run it. You gotta practice it. You gotta be part of your. You gotta be part of your life. So you gotta and, get get back to running 120 plays of practice. Yes, you got you, you got you gotta get reps. That's how people learn. That's how people, most people don't learn off tape. Most people learn by doing. Hands on. That's me. I can see them. I can see it on tape. I can see it on a draw on a dry erase board. But I learn more by out there actually doing it. Okay, so I I got the real action. Jackson asked a question: Who would win in a foot race between you and me? Of course, me. <laughs> you mean twenty? You can beat me right now, Tommy. Because no, you I probably can't beat you right now, man. Okay. Listen, I, I was about to say, man, I, that that'll be a good race. But I, you you shock a person now. I'm not. Yeah. I'm not saying. That. Right now, I ain't trying to run against nobody right now. Hey, you know, you know that's my brother starting stuff, man. Oh, I know, I know. That's my brother starting stuff. Man. I know Twan. Twan always trying to start something. Twan, don't be trying to start nothing between me and Tommy, man. Me and Tommy, we we <laughs> on a level. You can you can try to start it, but, but, but in my prime, in my prime, you had no chance. Oh gosh, no, not even close. In nothing. Maybe in blocking, blocking. I'd have, I'd have got you in blocking, but that'd have been it. Yeah, but it would been, been a close fight. It would been a close race, a close blocking deal. I would have competed my butt off. Another message from the ticket gallery. Kids, kids these days would cry running 60 option plays per practice. Is that how many we ran, 60? Seemed like it was a we, heck of a lot. We didn't run, we didn't run 60, but we did, we did rep it. Because we, because we ran options from different formations, and that's what people don't realize. Where we had options from one back, two back, three back, no back. I mean, we, we ran options every which way possible, but the principle was still the same. Practice makes perfect. Practice makes perfect. What do you feel like would be our biggest obstacle to being successful next year? Oh, me, I'm going to say game day adjustments. 
So it, it, being able to make those adjustments. Don't get out coached. Mm. Okay. I felt I felt something I felt here in the last fifteen years, Nebraska's got out coached in a lot of the games that they've they they they've they, they lost. Is that is that from not having an identity on offense or is that just from not being very disciplined in the in the game? Well, it can be it can it can be several things. It can be not having the the, the knowledge on the coaching staff that can help you make those decisions. You know, one thing Coach Osborne had when he was there, he had guys who were with him for twenty some years, over twenty some years. And so they so they knew each other and they knew what could work, they knew what what could work because they've been in those battles. You know, so I, I just think, you know, when you when you don't have a guy who's 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 has enough courage to say, no, coach, we need to do it this way. Well, no, coach, we need to we, we try that way. No, this way will work. And I don't think I don't think the last several years they they've had people like that. Tommy, so when you when you when you you don't, go ahead. You don't need a bunch of best men on your staff. You need guys that's gonna make. You need guys that's gonna challenge you sometimes too. I agree with that. Okay, so Tommy, I I got I got a pecan pie always coming up with these these questions. Okay, so pecan pie from the ticket gallery says, so here let me just ask the question. Nineteen eighty four, you're the coach, or eighty three, you're the coach. Do you kick the field goal or do you go for two? Me, I want I want the win. So so win. you want to win. I want to win. So old VJ Jackson back, by back then, back then a tie is not gonna guarantee you a championship. It would have in that situation though. Yeah, but yeah, but that's not Coach Oswald's mentality. I know. It also depends on your mentality. I guess I'm getting softer in my old age because the old you guy. Are getting you don't say the same thing <laughs> you younger days. I'm going for the win. I would have too, but I now I'm just thinking. You know, what's the goal here? Is the goal to win the championship, or is the goal to? Win some type of a but 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 Sean, but Sean, but you know when you're in the heat of the moment, the last thing you think about if I keep the field goal, I'm gonna probably win the championship. That's the last thing you think about. Think well, about that. You're trying to win a football game. I guess I, I mean you got a point. The heat of the battle, things are going you're on. You're not thinking about that, but then that's when you're only as good as your assistant coaches because maybe an assistant coach can come up and say, "Hey, coach." Kick the field goal here, coach. Kick the field goal. Yeah, kick the yeah. field goal, coach. At least put something on your mind. You kick the field goal, we win. You don't, and we miss it, we lose. But that's that's the reason why you need you don't always need a bunch of yes men. You need someone who can say no, 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 coach. Wait a minute. Here's a perfect example because I still remember we were at when I was at, when I coached with Kevin still at, at, at Baylor, and Baylor we, 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 we were playing UNLV. We we're doing something. We had to leave. And and was going down, and and that, through the whole week, Kevin still said, "Hey, when we get a chance, we're gonna we're gonna put the dagger in their heart. We're gonna make a statement here, and we're gonna we're gonna and we're gonna just put it to them." And that that, that opportunity came up in the game, and everyone said, "Coach, you said you want to put a dagger put a dagger." I said, "No, coach. I said, let's let's get out here with this win. Let's meet a defensive line coach. Say, These kids haven't haven't had success, much success since they've been here. Let's win this game." And get out of here. And he's like, oh, you said we're going to do this, we're going to do this. So guess what? We run a play. My running back from the ball to the end zone. They recovered the ball to the end zone and took it back for like 105 yards, touchdown, and they beat him. Last play of the game. Wow. Yeah. 
so 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 the so moral of that story is sometimes it's okay to take the point or, or just a nail on the ball or take a tie. Why? But, we, but when you but when you in that battle, you hit the battles and you say you're gonna do something, and the opportunity comes, you you do it. Why was Coach Osborne so great at what he did? Because he had the right guys around him. Nothing you can say to that. You don't understand how valuable Milt Temper was to Coach Osborne. You don't understand how valuable Frank Soldier was to Coach Osborne. You don't understand how valuable Turner was to Coach Osborne. Because Coach Osborne only do so much, but he needs the the people that he trusted to make sure that he was calling the right game plan. That he, was, that he was getting the right, the right defense or right running things in the right front against the right front. Do you agree with Whipple that a nice guy can't be a great quarterback? Well, I was, I was a nice guy. Are you kidding me? Tommy, you was nice, but you were stern. Yeah, but I mean, I wasn't nice. Yeah, well, but they, we, we, we're talking nice in the sense like you give out treats and snacks and is Kirk, is Beatrice Kirk, is Bakery Kirk stuff. Let me ask you a question. Is Kirk Cousins a good quarterback? I mean, he's a good quarterback, but he, we said great. Yeah, well, not every, not every quarterback is going to be great. You know, Joe, Joe Montana was a, was, a, was a great quarterback, and he was a nice guy. Was he? Yeah. I, I, listen, I don't know. I just, I don't know. I, I, Two six seven two. Say something. Go ahead. You it doesn't. To me, you can be any type of guy that you want, as long as you're, as long as you become a student of the game and you and you're leading your team the right way. Tommy, but you You wasn't just an all-out, just nice guy, though. Joe Montana was a nice guy uh, because I met him several times, and I I looked through all Will Shields tell stories by him to where he very rarely got rattled in the huddle, he very rarely got upset. That was at the end of his career, though. Yeah, but he still led a team to the NFC champ- AFC Championship game at the end of his career. I, I believe in San Francisco. I agree, but we get nicer as we get older, though. Yeah, but, but I, I still think you can be a nice guy. Now, do I think that hey, that people will, will follow you? Well, they should probably not. But sometimes you need you need a quarterback to be an asshole. Excuse my language. Okay, so listen, that's a great place that we'll, we'll we'll take a break. It's the captain. Tommy Frazier's on with me on the ticket 93.7. Listen, when we come back, we'll have about five minutes. We'll go to a speed round, and we'll see what Tommy really thinks. Talk to you in a minute. Back with Vershawn Jackson on 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com. You know that song, Tommy? Yeah, no, money, money, money. Yeah. Okay, okay. I'm going to have to hit you. Tommy, I got to have you come back, man, because I got I got to hit you with the, 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 the music questions. I got to test your... Mine and see if you remember all these old crazy songs that I got locked up in my mind. Yeah, well, we well we know your mind crazy, so who knows what we? It's not crazy. It's just a little off, just a little bit, not much. Okay. Tommy, what, <laughs> what? What? Okay, so we got about we got about four minutes to go, right? Okay. So I, I I'm gonna turn the, the show over to you and just say. Um, 
first of all, let me just say this about the D line. Now, the 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 reason why I think they they did what they did in that hire, and you don't have to even we can come back to this at a later time and a later date, is because you only got so many coaches that you can hire, per se. Okay, so uh, with that being said, what are you leaving with Husker Country? What do you want to just say if you're speaking to Husker Country? Yeah, but I'm speaking to Husker Country. I'm saying, hey, just, hey, just pray and I hope that that the changes that are made are are, are going to show a different aspect of, of one Nebraska football to the, the the decision making ability of the administration and 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 the coaching staff there. You know, I think I think it's either put up or shut up time right now, and and. You make the decision. The head coach made the decision that he felt best to get him or get him over the hump, and so now there are no excuses. Either you you put up or you shut up. Tommy, what's your, can you give me your best go big red? No man, I don't do that. I'll leave that. Dang. I'll leave that See now, now that speaks to the point that most quarterbacks, most great quarterbacks, are mean. That's my point. No, I don't do that, man. You, I don't you, mean, I never done it. That's that's what I'm saying. That's what made you great because you got a little bit of meanness in you. Because I just about get every black shirt to do it. I would think, or I mean, I would hope. I can't even get Tommy Fraser to give me a go big red. You, nope. Come on, man. Why? Why? I was too. I was too busy worried about winning football games and worried about. Can you, give, can you give me a GBR? But you a fan? Mm-hmm. You a fan now? Give me a GBR. I'm a fan. Don't 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 don't, don't mean. I need to do all the slogans and the go big red stuff. Oh, well, touchdown, Tommy Fraser. Give me a GBR. Come on. Uh, GBR. There you go. Thank you. That's better than nothing. What about a go big red? <laughs> Can you give me a go big red now? GBR. See, see, hey, <laughs> we're taking we're taking baby steps, man. You got you got to crawl before you walk, right? Yeah, I take the GBR from Tommy Fraser, man. Listen, Tommy, I appreciate you so much for just being a big brother to me, for never. Even though I, I make some, I do some crazy things. You always love me up, man, and, and you always took the time for me, and I really appreciate you for that. Yeah, that's what family does, man. We, we all we all gonna be brothers. We all gonna be family. We all gonna be teammates. You know, so don't don't ever get that. Yes, you always you do some things sometimes, and I wonder why you do things, and you, you tick me off. But at the end of the day, family tick people off. You can't change. Still family. Well, man, you heard it. Tommy Fraser for Sean Jackson. Nick's over there. It's the ticket. 93.7. What's up next? Happy hour! Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older. But Mini Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.